2: We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Greg Peterson Experience on v the
3: sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. We've got a tremendous three hours for us. We've got a jam-packed NFL Sunday that we're going to be taking a look at. Going to be doing a lot of those previews towards the final hour once we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Everyone is going to be on a Sunday in the continental 48 states, which means it'll be an NFL Sunday for all. So we're going to be having a good time there. Along the way, we're going to be taking a look at some college basketball. Gonna be given a little bit with regards to the NBA as well. I think that there's a lot of intrigue that is going down, especially with a lot of injuries, are changing a lot of teams, and some teams that might have been making you some money towards the beginning of the year. I'm looking at you, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They might be coming back to the pack a little bit. Meanwhile, some of these teams that. Maybe they have been making you a lot of money. We might see a little bit of a reversal there. So we're going to be diving into that. And then we wound up seeing a wild just day in general of college football. So we're going to be diving into that as well because we do have, for the most part, a lot of the college football season now done. Obviously, you've got the national title game. And for those of you guys that actually do enjoy a little bit of the lower level of college football, the FCS we actually have a championship game that is set for that. And most books actually are going to be offering a line on Montana State versus North Dakota State. By the way, North Dakota State currently an eight-point favorite. If you're taking a look at that line, I think that that will actually be quite a bit of a fun one. But other than that, really the Texas Bowl along with the national title game, which right now we're seeing that one with Georgia being a three-point favorite with the total about 52 and 52.5. 52 we have relatively wrapped up the college football season, but – With that said, it did not wind up going without a bang that we wound up seeing on Saturdays. You wound up seeing quite a few favorites being able to come through. You wound up seeing a flip of favorites in a few of these games. Some of these due to opt-outs, some of these due to other reasons. But when you did wind up seeing the flip of favorites, all of them wound up coming through. As You wound up seeing that in Arkansas versus Penn State. Penn State opens up right around a four-point favorite. You wound up seeing the opt-outs on the defensive side of the ball along with the top wide receiver of Penn State, and from there, Arkansas, they were able to get it done. 24-10, to Penn State actually got off to a relatively solid start, and then Arkansas really able to impose their will, and you wound up seeing a whole bunch of unders aside from the Rose Bowl, which we're going to be diving into in a minute, but this is one in which it wound up falling very harmlessly under the total, and how about the year that Arkansas wound up having? This has been a little bit of a downtrodden program in recent years, and for Penn State, I know that there's been a lot of buzz around James Franklin about him perhaps being able to get other jobs. And I mean, for Penn State, they wanted finishing up seven and six this year. They were very much underachieving. Now, no doubt, very much shorthanded in this game, but you can tell that things just were not going for them as Arkansas wins this game, despite the fact that they, as a collective, went 14 of 20 for 98 yards and two interceptions through the air. So I was honestly too terrific, and Penn State. Their hallmark is supposed to be always doing a good job of being able to bottle up just things in general. And they were able to get five sacks on defense, but just absolutely no offense whatsoever for them in this one. And it's really been a Big Ten that has been up and down with regards to these bowl games because you did wind up seeing Ohio State be able to come through, but they were unable to cover the spread. This is one that... You wind up seeing open up more around about a six and a half to a seven ish with Ohio State. This winds up dipping down to more around a three and a half and a four, but in the Rose Bowl, a very exciting game. Utah, they wind up coming out. They get that big lead. And then for Ohio State, they use a 17 to seven fourth quarter to be able to get it done by a kind of 48 to 45. As this was one of the more wild games that we've seen in the not just full season, but really the last few years of the bowl season this is a game in which you wind up seeing utah wind up getting up by a count of 21 to 7 they were up at one point as well 35 to 21 and then ohio state winds up roaring back in the second half despite the fact that you did wind up having quite a few of the wide receivers opt out of this game it was the one guy that wanted standing pat and i think that he made himself a whole lot of money with this performance how about jackson smith and jigba He wound up having 347 receiving yards, 347 on 15 catches for three touchdowns. CJ Stroud, 573 yards. If you, like me, wound up having the under, boy, that was not necessarily the world's greatest call there on my part, but certainly was a lot of fun if you're going to have a bet go up in a fiery heap of smoke you'd rather at the very least have a little bit of fun with it rather than it just like squeaking by go to like one of those insane like seven overtime games where they're going for two point conversions or something like that where it's just like what the heck is going on here but I mean this was truly a tremendous game that we wound up seeing and for Ohio State this is a team that under the tutelage of Mr. Day has been very solid now The big question is, does Ryan Day wind up going to the NFL or not, in my opinion, because he has proven that he is able to coach the heck out of offense. We have heard a lot of rumors that there are teams that are going to be interested in him. So this is going to be very intriguing to take a look at moving forward. And I mean, we've seen a lot of college coaches go to the NFL, not necessarily have a lot of success. Urban Meyer for example, but I mean, he certainly seems like he actually cares about his guys. Unlike urban Meyer. So I think that he'll actually be able to do a relatively solid job if he does wind up taking that step up. But I mean, man, that was one that I don't think that we are going to be forgetting for quite a while. One that I think is going to be a little bit more forgettable. If you're a fan of the sec, that would be the fact that you wind up having Baylor just completely trounce Ole Miss. Ole Miss only able to get seven points up on the board, twenty-one to seven. And I mean, by and large, the SEC wound up having a relatively solid bowl season. We went through the Arkansas win. You were able to really be able to see it as well when you were able to have when you were able to have Kentucky be able to pull through against Iowa as well. But I mean, for Ole Miss, just an absolutely terrible performance for them in this one. They just were unable to get anything going. And for Matt Corral, I, he came out, he was talking about just the fact that he really wanted to play in this bowl game, and it's just a little bit of a disappointment. And that's something that is just so strange about these bowl games. Obviously, opt outs are always very big when it comes down to it, but with regards to this Ole Miss team, you figured that they'd be able to come out with quite a bit of fight. You figured that they would be able to do a nice job of being able to rise up in this location, and we did notice that Ole Miss. The defense was there with them. I mean, they wind up just giving up the 21 points, which for their standards is relatively solid. And for Ole Miss towards back half of the season, they were playing some solid defense, but really they just were unable to get anything going whatsoever with regards to the offense. Just a very stunning one in that aspect. And then you did wind up seeing Iowa, wind up not necessarily giving their best effort against Kentucky, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier, it was expected to be a very low scoring game. When I was on the air, you were seeing the total anywhere between a 42 and a 42 and a half. You wound up seeing a dead under there. And if you like me wound up having Notre Dame, that was really bad. The fact that they wound up getting up in that game by multiple touchdowns and then they just wind up completely blowing that game as well as for that Kentucky versus Iowa game. Plus is more around to 44 with regards to the total. So that winds going very harmlessly under with regards to that Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State game. That is one in which it went over and it went over by a country mile. You wind up seeing the you wound up seeing the new regime of Notre Dame being able to take hold in this one. And I mean there was a lot of fight on both sides. Oklahoma State certainly has turned over a little bit of a new leaf under Mike Gundy by and large up until the last couple of weeks of the season it was really a team that was getting it done via the defense and what i think it's going to be really intriguing when it comes to what we wind up making out of these conferences in general because you're obviously able to make your assumptions about the big 10 you wind up having ohio state really showed through very well wisconsin was able to win their bowl game out here in lovely las vegas a couple days ago but i think that there's a lot of people that were a little bit less than enthused by what you wind up seeing out of Michigan. So that was certainly not a great situation over there, but I do think that when it comes to these bowl games, you probably don't want to be basing too much off of them, but at the same time, you don't want to take them as a nothing burger because I think that there's a lot of people that they stick a little bit too much stock into what you do wind up seeing in these bowl games. And we wind up seeing it a lot when it comes to the NCAA tournament as well. And we wind up seeing a lot of, judgments for the next season wind up getting a little bit clouded based on oh team x wound up doing this team y wound up doing that i feel like that's become a little bit less with regards to these bowl games because now we are in the day and age in which a lot of guys they just wind up opting out of these bowl games in general a lot of guys they just wind up saying you know what i want to be protecting myself and i can never blame anyone for opting out of a bowl game just because When it comes down to it you're just not getting paid to play in these bowl games meanwhile when you wind up going to the next level you've got millions and millions of dollars that are online i always understand wanting to be out there fighting for your teammates so i certainly do see that side of it as well but at the same time if you're in a situation where you don't necessarily have a whole ton to gain and you have a lot to lose that is a interesting circumstance now when it comes to Ohio State, obviously, you wind up seeing and Jigbo wind up making probably himself a ton of money with regards to his bowl game performance. And you wind up hauling in there 15 passes, get 347 receiving yards. He is going to be really, really, I think, highly touted with regards to the next level. So I think that you're able to take a look at both things, both sides of things as well. But I think that it's been relatively a solid bowl season. It was a little bit of... A late start to the bowl season with regards to the interesting games because a lot of the early ones, let's call it what it is, some of them were just sort of snoozers, and you wind up seeing it towards the back half of the bowl season. I mean, games like the Rose Bowl, those are absolutely tremendous. You saw Just a whole bunch of close games in general. The back and forth that you wind up seeing in Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. This is what bowl season is supposed to be about. So I thought that that was tremendous. And I think that we're going to be able to get ourselves a very good national title game. I wound up stating this on the show yesterday. And I am still sticking to it. I do think that Alabama is going to be able to win the national title. I just think that when you wind up having Nick Saban on your sidelines, you've got yourself a weapon that no other college football team does wind up having. I think that it's probably going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game than what we wind up seeing in that SEC title game, but I think that that is going to be very intriguing to take a look at as January 10th is going to be setting up to be a real fun one, and things are setting up to be a lot of fun when it comes to hardwood as well. We are going to be taking a look the rest of this hour at a little bit more college basketball and the NBA, so we're going to be turning from the NFL, or we're going to be turning from football to basketball next, right here on V-CIN, V-Sports Network.
2: You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time
1: finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades.
3: HOOPS PETERSON HIMSELF ON v THE SPORTS BETTING NETWORK. SIGN UP FOR A PLAYCARD DEBIT MASTERCARD AND GET PAID FASTER THAN WITH A PAPER CHECK WITH DIRECT DEPOSIT. ALWAYS BE READY TO ROLL WITH PLAYCARD. VISIT PLAYCARD.COM TO APPLY, SUBJECT TO TERM ACTIVATION AND I.D. VERIFICATION TERMS AND COST TO APPLY, Card issued by MetaBank and a member FDIC. As it is the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Oops Peters, coming at you from Lovely Circa, the wonderful sports book, along with the resort out here in Las Vegas. So great to be with you guys as it is a brand new year. Hopefully, it means that things are going relatively solidly for all of you guys because, I mean, it has been. Just absolutely wild what we have seen. Just these first, I would call them first few hours in general of the year 2022. So hopefully we can make it a very good one. And something that I think is relatively solid is everything that we are seeing with regards to a lot of these trends in general with regards to the NBA, because it certainly has been some ebbs and flows all season long. So I do think that we are going to be getting ourselves a very good opportunity to be able to make some money when it comes to the NBA, because when it comes down to it, it has been a league in which we've seen the unders wind up coming through a lot towards the beginning part of the season. Now here that now here in the last, I would say 30 days or so you have been seeing a lot more with regards to the overs being able to hit. It's been a little bit more like 54% of games winding up going over the total And I do think that we are going to be seeing a little bit of reversal as well when it comes to some of these teams that I've been able to make you a lot of money. I was mentioning on the show yesterday, look Cleveland Cavaliers. Now that you've got just a whole bunch of injuries when it comes to this team, I think that you've got to be looking to fade them a little bit more. They did not wind up coming through on Friday. On Saturday, they wound up having a little bit of a day off. And if you're looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers just moving forward in general, this is a team that is going to be taking the hardwood against Indiana on Sunday. As of right now, not really seeing a whole lot of openers, which is a little bit of an issue because you do have a case of which you've got a lot of things in general that are going to be going down with regards to the NBA because we know that with COVID-19, it has caused for, let's call it what it is, a lot of books to not wind up putting out openers until the day of, and then it becomes a little bit of the wild, wild west. Sometimes you see this in baseball when you wind up seeing switch pitchers, and you can understand why books have been really holding off on posting up a lot of these openers because when it comes to the NBA, they've already used more different players this year, than we have seen in any other year in NBA history. Greg Monroe, like a week ago, wound up having that moniker of being like the four the five hundred and forty third different player used. So I mean Chicago State's leading score, I think it's Trayvon Palmer is his name. He wound up getting signed off the scrap heap a couple of days ago, so I mean that tells you just how wild and crazy things have been in the NBA. So I do certainly understand why books are a little bit tepid to be posting up lines with regards to this. But what else I think is going to be really interesting is taking a look at the San Antonio Spurs moving forward. It's been a team that was able making quite a bit of money towards month of December, towards back half of it. Things wound up getting a little bit rocky for them. They wound up taking an outright loss, but but were able to do a solid job of being able to hang in there against the Detroit Pistons. They wind up losing that game by one, and when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs team, it's all about what they did not wind up having on Saturday. That would be DeJounte Murray, a guy that I think is one of the more underrated players out there in the NBA, and I do think that moving forward, he is going to be a difference maker when he winds up getting out there. It seems like he's very close to returning. He was going through health and safety protocols through the league and he just was unable to get out there today due to conditioning for lack of a better term. so i do think that him being able to get back out there is going to be very beneficial for this team but you take a look at the san antonio spurs bunch and i do think that Jakob hurdle has been able to do a relatively solid job whenever he's been out there for this team as well just whenever he's been off the floor as well it's been a little bit of an issue you always want to be good betting on good coaching, I don't care what sport it is, whether it be college basketball, whether it be NBA, there always is a lot of value when it comes to that. And then when you take a look at just the league in general, I've been mentioning this as well, the fact that the LA Lakers have been just as brutal as they have been this year, it has been just a big, giant issue in general because with the LA Lakers, I don't understand who wound up setting up things with regards to this team, but it has been really, really bad to say the least. It's a team that was able to get a very nice win against the Portland Trailblazers a couple days ago. But I think that this is a team that you've got to be looking to fade moving forward. And it really doesn't matter whether it be you're looking to fade them with regards to your futures on a night in a night out basis. I think that this is a team that is going to be in. For a rough second part of the season I do recognize that Russell Westbrook was able to have a nice game a couple days ago but when it comes to just what you're gonna be able to get out of this team in general I do think that it is going to be rough you've got LeBron James who's been really firing all cylinders as well he's actually in the midst of his longest 30 plus point performance in every game in the history of himself he's been able to do it all for this LA Lakers team but You just don't have a lot of guys around him. You've got a lot of guys that are aging stars. Carmelo Anthony has been able to do an okay job will be able to hit his threes, but at the same time, Certainly has been a little bit rough there. And then when it comes to the West, I just still think that it is really going to be going through the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors were able to come through. They were able to get another win on Saturday. I've been highly impressed by this team. And with the Golden State Warriors, keep in mind that this is a team that they've been doing it without Klay Thompson. They have been doing it without Andrew Wiseman as well. You wound up seeing a nice performance from Andrew Wiggins. But, I mean, it's been beyond just your main guys. Now, no doubt, Steph Curry right now deserves the MVP. He is right around like plus 125 plus 130 depending on where you're looking for that award and rightfully so because the guy has been absolutely magnificent all season long but you do take a look at just the rest of the league in general and I would say that when it comes to that Western Conference, it's really they, the Phoenix Suns, who the Phoenix Suns have been able to do a relatively solid job all season long themselves. Even when they wound up having Devin Booker out of the fold, they were still able to pick up a couple wins. But you just take a look at those two teams, and I do think that they are the class of the Western Conference. You've got other teams like the LA Clippers who have been able to do a relatively solid job. They're dealing with their own injuries. Christmas Eve, you wound up seeing the news at Paul George. Going to be out for quite a while, so that no question is a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, I feel like the East, even though you do have the favorites out there with the Brooklyn Nets, it is a little bit more wide open because the Milwaukee Bucks, they themselves were dealing with some of their own injury issues. Now they are getting back to a little bit more of a full team. They are going to be getting back guys like Dante DiVincenzo and company towards back half of the season. You wind up seeing them just completely bludgeon the New Orleans Pelicans that by account of 136 to 113 so they did a terrific job there and once again on Saturday in the NBA you did wind up seeing a whole bunch of overs wind up coming through but I do think that that Bucks team is going to be really intriguing moving forward I think that you're really going to be having something when it comes to some of these other contenders as well because when it comes to the Eastern Conference even a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, for which, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers have certainly had their ups and their downs this season. When you do have Joel Embiid firing on all cylinders, that's one of the best players in the NBA. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, obviously, the Ben Simmons saga has been just absolutely cataclysmically bad, and now you've got a Chicago Bulls team that They've been able to do some nice things this year. They wound up having that crazy shot from DeMar DeRozan on Friday to be able to lead them to victory over the Indiana Pacers. They are going to be without Lonzo Ball for quite a while, but I like the fight that they've been able to show. The Washington Wizards It looked like they were going to be able to rise up along the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've seen both of those teams slide a little bit, and when it comes to the Cavaliers in general, just the fact that you've got all the injury woes that you do with them, I think that it's going to be really tough for them to be able to cope with that. Now having out of the fold for the rest of the season, rookie Rubio, I do think it's a little bit of a death nail for them being able to, really be able to rise up being able to make any sort of noise whatsoever when it comes down to it but when it comes to just odds to be able to win the championship I do think that there are quite a few overvalued teams a lot of the teams that were towards the top at the beginning of the year are just teams that I really can't consider at this point it's all about the Golden State Warriors with me because I do think that when they do wind up getting all their pieces back out there this is going to be by far the team that is going to be the one to beat with regards to just everything in general, because with regards to Golden State Warriors, I do think that they're going to have enough time to be able to mesh during the regular season, and at the same time, they've been able to put their guys that have had to fill in, in the meantime, into good positions. So, if they do wind up having a situation in which you do wind up having, say, Klay Thompson wind up going down once again after he winds up returning for good, I do think that you're going to be able to see some of these guys, like even... Someone like Juan Toscano Anderson, for instance, be able to give you some quality minutes. And I think that that's very important. I mean, Gary Payton II is someone that was on a bunch of 10 day contracts, really was bouncing around the NBA for quite a few years. He's been able to have a good run of things. Now, Jordan Poole obviously is not a guy that was dealing with like 10 day contracts or anything like that, but I mean, Jordan Poole is a guy that has been able to do some quality work for this Golden State Warriors team as well. So I think that that's going to be really intriguing. And I've got to give a little bit of love to the Utah Jazz as well. The Utah Jazz have had their ups and downs a little bit more recently, but I do like the overall core that have got with this team. Rudy Gobert has been able to give you right around 15 rebounds per game. Donovan Spider-Mitchell, I think, is really starting to come into his own as well. So I do think that the Utah Jazz are a team that, Got to be taking a look at moving forward and when it comes to just the NBA in general. Very, very volatile. We've been seeing underdogs hitting at right around a 55-ish percent clip over the last 30 days because we have been seeing a lot of these teams dealing with COVID-19 Dealing with COVID-19 guys being out of the fold. So I do think that there is a lot of value when it comes to this. And typically some of the favorites, they do wind up taking their foot off the pedal. You don't see that as much in the college basketball realm, though. We're going to be talking about that next right here on v Esports that Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Check out replays of all of our shows, or download and listen on your schedule. You're able to do so at VSN.com/slash/podcast and get beating the book with Gail Alexander or market insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got hardwood handicappers, the Lombardi Line, follow the money. Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, and so much more. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast says. We are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Epps Peterson, and that podcast I mentioned, Coast to Coast Hoops, uploads every single day, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. So, while I'm doing the final hour of this show, that is going to be up for you guys. So, while I'm talking about the NFL, if you're not necessarily a fan of the NFL, you can get the college basketball special over there and well, if you're looking to listen to the college basketball podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, well, you're able to wind up getting that, like, while I'm doing the NFL previews, you can listen to a little NFL, listen to a little college basketball all at the same time. So we've got you covered in a wide variety of ways there. And when it comes to college basketball, which we wound up seeing a very interesting day of college basketball on Saturday, it has become very clear that we do have I would call it a little bit of a jumbled mess towards the top of all of college basketball. Now Baylor has been able to certainly fortify themselves as one of the top teams in all of college basketball, but you do have to have some concerns with Baylor, even though they were able to get the outright win against Iowa state in the battle of Undefeated that we wound up seeing on Saturday as Baylor was able to get it done by a count of 77 to 72. Big reason why they didn't wind up covering the seven to eight, depending on what you were getting with regards to the closing line and this is one that actually moved around quite a bit. You wound up seeing a lot of 8 and a half towards the day, and then it wound up slinking back to right around 7 and a half which was the opening number, is because of missed free throws. Now, Baylor, much better in this game than they have been for much of the year with regards to free throw shooting. They shot over 70% at the free throw line, but coming into this game, you have a Baylor bunch of which they've been shooting right around 66-ish percent at the free throw line. That is no question a big, giant issue, and I'm going to be talking about this a little bit more on the podcast, Go go Supes. Why there are certain times when you've got to be really looking at free throw shooting because when it comes to free throw shooting and your handicaps, I think that it means a whole lot less when you wind up taking in underdog getting a big amount of points rather than if you're laying in this case seven and a half, a prime number with regards to a favorite. Because typically, if you're finding yourself laying like seven, seven and a half, we can even go down to like six, up to like eight that means that there's probably going to be late game following at the end of it with a minute left to go team is down six eight points they're going to be hacking away doing everything humanly possible to try to get that prayer to be able to get back into the game meanwhile if you wind up seeing more like a 20 point spread a 15 point spread there's going to be much less following just because well if your team is down 20 with a minute left to go i recognize that there are some coaches like danny manning that they're going to follow no matter what but I mean, a lot of these coaches are going to throw in the towel and be like, yep, you know what? We just don't have it on this end. and especially if you're taking an underdog. With an underdog, no question, you're not going to be seeing as much late-game fouling, just because when it comes to the underdog, they're the ones that are doing the following rather than the ones that are getting the fouls. Now, sometimes you do wind up seeing the team that is in the lead wind up committing some of those fouls as well, but that's more or less when you wind up having, like, a three or four point game with 10 seconds left to go and they're just trying to prevent a three-point shot they're falling at like half court and everything like that and you just have one of those very strange stalemate games which are if you have the under always infuriating. but certainly that is something that you've always got to be taken into account with regards to your handicapping and i do think that that is something that always needs to be taken note of and Boy, oh boy! If you want Exhibit A on S2, who should probably be following in some of those situations? That would be the Marquette Golden Eagles, who wound up losing a double overtime due to one of those situations as well. So that was a big, giant calamity. But we've also seen some teams that have been really overachieving this year. Iowa State certainly one of them. Even though they wind up losing this game, they were able to make you some money if you wind to betting on them. I want to give this one out for the Visa newsletter number at the time that I was giving it out was between seven and a half and eight. So depending on when you got it, you were able to get there no matter what. But I mean, another team that has really been able to rise up to the forefront. How about the Providence Friars? Why is nobody talking about Providence right now? I can tell you right now, I want to fading them on Saturday. And I feel like a big giant buffoon for doing so 70 to 53 Providence was able to run and hide with this game. And when it comes to Providence, they've got five quad one wins. Those are the, quadrants that the NCAA tournament committee uses to decide who winds up getting into the NCAA tournament, seating, what have you. And here are the teams that currently have five quad one wins right now in college basketball. Providence. That's it. That, that's the end of the list. It's only Providence. They have been really doing a supreme job of being able to do a good job in these step up games. And you ask me right now, who my Team with regards to power rankings is rising up the board the fastest. I would actually tell you, Maryland Eastern Shore, just because Maryland Eastern Shore, there was literally zero expectations for them. They wound up not playing any college basketball at all last year, and they've been able to pull off a couple outright wins against teams like Lehigh. They were able to knock off a Fordham team that's actually not too shabby. So, I mean, that's why just because the bar was set so stinking low that you could only go up and they've actually had themselves a halfway decent year. I actually expect a little bit of something out of them from the Miac this season. So that's why they're up there. But I mean, Providence is certainly towards the top of that list who I mentioned a little bit earlier. I State, say they have to be as well. And when it comes to just, trends that we're finding in college basketball unfortunately there has yet to really be anything that has been too demonstrative in college basketball i have been searching for this myself i know that many of you guys on social media have been asking me for this as well and boy i wish i could give you a little bit more than man we don't really have a lot of trends but i mean that's the case right now when it comes to Overs and unders, it's not like you've got one thing that is just blowing everything out of the water. We haven't necessarily seen a lot with regards to home underdogs. Now, I do expect home underdogs to be able to make a very nice charge, and we actually did wind up seeing that a little bit more the past few days because overall for the season, home underdogs against the spread 248, 239, and 10. So they're hitting at right around a 51% clip. And you just take a look at what we wind up seeing on Saturday. Home underdogs wound up going nine and five against the spread. So we are starting to see a little bit of restoration there. And I do think that once we do wind up hitting conference play, there just is always a little bit of different buzz. There's more zeal behind these games. But if you take a look at overs and unders with regards to college basketball right now, 1001 overs, nine hundred and ninety-nine unders. Now obviously you have a couple pushes along the way. I think that you've got something like 10-ish pushes, depending on where you are getting these closing numbers at. But I mean, by and large, we have seen a 50-50 split when it comes to overs and unders. But what we've also noticed in college basketball as well is with all these guys getting ruled out at the last minute, you'd think that that would cause for a little bit of a shift down with regards to some of these numbers with regards to some of these totals because when you wind up like losing your best player a few hours before the game, you typically think, oh no, that's gonna cause for a lot of disarray with regards to the offense. I think it's been really intriguing over the last seven days so really when we've been seeing a lot of these games getting postponed we've been seeing mass exodus chaos in general how about 77 overs of 52 unders over the last seven days that is a 59.7 hit rate with regards to the over and in this time span as well home underdogs are 23 and nine because what we've noticed is that you've got sort of the remains of these strange non-conference games but with regards to what we are seeing in terms of conference play is that you always notice that these home underdogs, they just have a little bit more fight in them. They are able to do a little bit more to be able to cover. And I mean, you just take a look at it. It's actually quite a bit different than what we've seen in general, because prior to this stretch home underdogs over the last 21 days, they had gone 80 and we're going to do the math in our head year, 94 and four. So home underdogs were actually for lack of a better term just getting destroyed over the last 21 days prior to this last seven day stretch i do think that when it comes to conference play things are going to be normalizing a whole lot more i do think that there's going to be a little bit more value on unders as well but i do think that when it comes to taking a look at these games that are getting postponed these teams that they're seeing a lot of last minute switches i mean we're going to be seeing it time and time again i've had to spend more time gauging injury information than I can ever remember in my life when it comes to college basketball, just because you have absolutely no idea what is going to be happening. You've got a lot of last second switcheroonies for lack of a better term. I think that that is about the most appropriate and BG term that I can use with regards to it. So we'll go switcheroonies. It just makes things very difficult in general to be able to cage. I think for both the team that is suffering with the switch and also the team that they're going against and what we notice is that the defense actually takes a little bit more of a drop down rather than the offense because you do have capable scorers but at the same time we know that when it comes to defense a lot of it comes down to chemistry a lot of it comes down to knowing what your teammate is going to be doing and when you wind up throwing out their different sets when you wind up throwing out their guys in unfamiliar spots I think that that is leading to a lot more overs when it comes to college basketball. So that's something that I'm digging into. So that's something that I'm going to be looking at in general a little bit more with regards to my handicap. And let's knock on whatever this is. I think that it's marble that my wonderful laptop is sitting on that we have fewer and fewer cancellations and postponements because coming Max, we're going to be starting to take a look at this college basketball card that we're going to be getting for Sunday. You don't necessarily have a whole bunch of games, but we do have some intriguing ones, and we're going to be starting to dive into those acts right here on v the Sports Fending Network. Hoops Peterson himself on v sin the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off av sin V-CIN all-access subscription for the rest of the football season with a big game special. Get access to our in-depth analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, That is telling you exactly where the money is going on every single game. And if you sign up today, you also get our daily best bets, emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video. Plus, you wind up getting the college bowl betting guide. Unfortunately, that is just about done. But you get all that plus more for just $39. That is at beastin.com slash subscribe. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. and we got to be talking about some oops. in our number two. We're also going to be touching upon a very intriguing prop that I'm seeing out there for DraftKings with regards to some of those awards. We've talked a lot about MVP. I think that that one is a little bit right now in the hands of Aaron Rodgers, And it's really his to lose. I don't think that there's a lot of money to be made there, but there is one that I know that our wonderful producer, Brian Ortega wanted up throwing out there. That is absolutely tremendous. And he's doing terrific work and Pretty much everyone behind the scenes, they always do terrific work. Mikhail always gets me set up on audio. We've got Dez as the technical director tonight, doing a great job of being able to step in at the last minute for doing a great job of being able to step in at the last minute for us. You've also got Matt doing a great job over there. Being the production of citizens, all these guys are doing absolutely terrific work. Without them, you would not be seeing me or hearing me right now. They do a whole bunch of terrific work. So big thanks to all of them and all of their contributions to this because I've I've got the easy job. I just get to sit up here talk about all these college basketball games. I have to try to find you guys some money, so I've got to live up to my billing. So we're going to be starting that right now. How about if we go with North Carolina and Boston College? To be able to start things off this is 755 756 and if you're taking a look at the betting board this is technically the first game because the first two well they wound up getting postponed between state pun and dayton and columbia and yale so you're going to notice that if you want to take a look at like the betting board all these games you're going to notice that half of these games are postponed which just absolutely sinks we're going to call it what it is but With that said, what we've got in this game right now, North Carolina is a seven-point favorite pretty much everywhere except for Circa. Circa's right now hanging a a 7.5. By and large, everyone else, they are hanging a 7, and your total on this game, you're going to be finding it anywhere between a 140 and a a 140.5. I think that this is going to be an intriguing game because you've got a Boston College team that, I'll call it what it is, didn't necessarily have a lot of expectations for them. But I do think that they're going to be able to hold in there because you just have yourself a team in North Carolina that they've been all over the place this year there's no other way of putting it. This is a North Carolina team that we've seen the good with them. We've seen the bad with them and we've sort of seen the indifferent with them. This is a Boston college team that they're going to be playing their first game in right around three ish weeks. So it has been a little bit for them, but Earl Grant is actually doing a relatively solid job compared to the hand that he's been given. You've got the two Langford's in demar Langford along with the Bakaya Ashton Langford. You see guys, contributing right around 23 and a half points per game. They've been able to do a solid job of being able to haul in there, some boards. And I do think that if you're looking for something that could be a little bit of an X factor, James Carnage, the transfer from the Patriot league has been able to get this team eight points right around five and a half rebounds per game. So, I think that he's going to be a key piece for the team. But when it comes to North Carolina, what I do like about this team is that they are a top-15 team in all of college basketball. When it comes to three-point shooting percentage as a collective, they shoot a little bit over 39% from three-point range, so they've been able to do a rock-solid job there. They shoot 74% of the free throw line, and, and they do a good job on the glass. This is not a team that they get as many second-chance opportunities as they do in last in past seasons. But Armando Bayco is able to give you 15 points. rebounds per game, so he's been able to do a good job of be able to hold it down there. Meanwhile, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, these two guys out there in the backcourt, they've been able to deliver as well. A little bit over seven assists per game, and combined 28 points per game. These two guys combined to be able to shoot about 42% from three-point range. So I like what you're getting there, and then. Guys with size, Brady, Brady Manic, along Dar- Dawson Garcia, both of these guys have been able to do a good job of be able to hit some threes. is actually shooting 46% for three Manic, more around 36%, but these two guys, they combined to be able to give you right around 22 and a half points per game, so they have been able to do a nice job there, but when it comes to this, just defense in general of North Carolina, it has been relatively terrible thus far. They rank in terms of field goal shooting percentage, 226th in all of college basketball. I recognize that they played some stiff competition, but at the same time, they played also schools like UNC Asheville, and that's all lumped in there as well. You got a team that they're not forcing any turnovers whatsoever. They're 10.1 turnovers per game, eighth fewest in all of college basketball. This is a Boston College team that they're under a new regime, so they're looking to be able to... Sort of find what is working, what is not working for them. They've got a couple of things to be able to work out. And this is a Boston College team that I think that they're going to be able to hang in there just because of the way that they wind up playing. This is a Boston College team that is really looking to slow things down. Meanwhile, you have got a North Carolina team that under Hubert Davis, they've been really looking to push a tempo. This is going to be a battle of a team that wants to go very, very fast and a battle of a team that wants to go very slow when it comes to me. I think that you can go both ways on this, but I always think that it's a little bit easier to slow down a fast team rather than to speed up a slow team. With that said, we certainly do see Some exceptions with it. I mean, the Citadel year in out. they just play games in the 80s. We've been seeing College of Charleston doing a solid job with that as well. But I mean, Boston College out of 358 D1 teams, they are 344th in the country with regards to possessions per game. I do think that with them having not necessarily had their sea legs under them, I do think that they're going to look to slow things down and be able to have a little bit of energy towards the end of the game, and I think that they're going to be successful in slowing this game down. Set at this little 138, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under. North Carolina, I think that they win the game outright I think that now that we've gotten to seven and here at circa a seven and a half, it's just a little bit too far. I'm willing to take the points here with Boston College, set them as more around a six-point underdog. So being able to get seven or better, I certainly do like this line with Boston College, and I'm going to be taking a little bit of a look at the under as well. And then when it comes to the Atlantic 10, we've got a good game that is going to be going down towards the early part of this slate as well. This is 761-762 on the betting board. St. Louis is going to be playing against Richmond. Richmond opened up a 3.5-point favorite. Now you're a 3.5-point underdog. Now they are a 3-point underdog. St. Louis laying the points right now as a 3-point favorite in your turn on this game. its 144 is 144.5-and-a. When it comes to the St. Louis team, they wound up being dealt a really bad hand towards the beginning of the season with Their leading scorer from last year, Javante Perkins, being out, but they've really been able to do a good job of being able to pick up from there. They're shooting as a collective right around 37.5% from three-point range, and what has been really incredible for St. Louis is that this is a team that year in and year out, I talked about it a little bit earlier in that last segment, the fact that free-throw shooting is so paramount. You've seen St. Louis in many years being, like, lines that have, like, Five, six, seven point spreads and they have been able to cover them because they have been always one of the worst teams in all of college basketball with regards to free throw shooting percentage. Hassan French was a guy that I still remember there was one year in which he shot like 30% at the free throw line. I mean, it was just sort of like I think that you could wind up getting someone from the YMCA to be able to just come in and be able to shoot some free throws for the guy. I mean, he was just absolutely terrible, but now you've got a St. Louis team that they shoot 75% free line, So they do a good job there. And you've got a Richmond Spiders team that they actually are a very efficient offense. They're just a very slow offense. And you wound up seeing them in their last game against St. Joe's. They had a cataclysmically bad offensive performance and all of a sudden, it's been a backcourt that has not necessarily been able to live up to its billing for the team. Now, you do have out there Jacob Gillier. He is actually the all-time leader with regards to steals per game, so he certainly has been able to do his part. He's been very efficient for the team, and the one thing that you know with Richmond is that this team is not going to necessarily beat themselves. They are committing nine and a half turnovers per game out of the 358 D1 teams that ranks in the top 12 of that aspect, so they've been able to do a nice job there, but they don't provide themselves any second chances. They are 336th in the country with regards to offensive rebounds per game. Now, Tyler Burton, Greg Golda, both of these guys are six foot eight or greater. Both of these guys are combining to shoot about 42.5% from three-point range. They have been able to give you 34.3 points per game, and both of these guys give you between 6 and 7 rebounds per game. But you just take a look at the backcourt. You were expecting Nick Sherrod, who missed all last year due to a torn ACL, to be able to step up. Giving the team 7 points per game, he hasn't necessarily looked like the same guy. Nathan Kayo, who was able to give you double digits last year, he's down to 7.5 points per game. Gilliard, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, his scoring is in a little bit of a rut as well. And for St. Louis, this is still a team that has a guy in Francis Okoro who wound up seeing meaningful minutes at Oregon. I think that he and Terrence Hargrave are going to be able to do a solid job down low. Hargrave is someone that has good stretchability, a guy that's able to shoot from three-point range quite well. And I just think that the coaching in general is in favor of St. Louis in this game. Chris Mooney is a guy that... I've just really soured on because, I mean, we've been looking at it now for three years. The St. Louis team, they wind up bringing back everyone, and you keep thinking, oh, this team is going to be able to step up. This team is going to be able to do a little bit better. And every single year, it's been a big, giant flopper rooney with them. So, I mean, that's been an issue. Meanwhile, St. Louis, they wind up dealing with the death of an assistant coach. A few months ago, they wind up having their star player, Javante Perkins, wind up going out for the season. And, in all legitimacy, their long COVID pause last year cost them a chance at the NCAA tournament. They were a top 25 team before that. They just got completely dismantled by that. Travis Ford has fought through it all. These guys seem fire on all cylinders, and I've got St. Louis as a five and a half point favorite in this game. So I'm going to be willing to lay the points. Also set my total at 143. So taking a look at the under, and in an our number two, the Greg Peterson experience. Taking a look at more college basketball right here on Beeson Esports Bank Network.